Are you an accredited investor looking for a new opportunity to generate passive income and build the retirement of your dreams? Then elevate your investment game with Viking Capital, where wealth meets wisdom. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, Viking Capital can help guide you towards financial freedom through passive real estate investing. With strong and transparent underwriting, Viking identifies low-risk opportunities with the goal of preserving investor capital and maximizing long-term growth potential. And their accessible and responsive investor relations team will help you understand how each investment will impact your unique financial goals. With $800 million in assets acquired, more than $230 million in equity raised, and more than 5,000 units under management, Viking Capital is your path to early retirement. To learn about Viking Capital's latest investment opportunity, which is available for you right now, visit go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best. That's go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best to get started today. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, Promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Whatever decision or whatever goals you have, just get up every day and take action and it's all going to come together. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Best ever listeners, welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Slocum Reed and I'm here with Leslie Awasom. Leslie is joining us from Hanover, Maryland. He is the co-founder and director of operations for Excite Capital Investments, LLC, which focuses on multifamily syndications. Their current portfolio is just around 700 units, totaling $125 million in assets under management, also an LP and two deals. Leslie was also a guest on this show, episode 2163, Anesthesiologist to Real Estate with Leslie Alwasom. That would have been about three years ago. So Leslie, can you start us off a little bit more about your background and what you've been up to the last three years? Oh, absolutely. Thank you, Slocum, for having me on this platform again. I'm really grateful to be back here. I really enjoyed the conversation I had on the platform a while back, and it did a lot for our business. So um, I'm Leslie Awesome. By day job, I'm a nurse anesthetist, co-founded Excite Capital Investments with two other amazing partners, Dr. Julius Oni and Tenny Tolofari, where we found 
the need to share the gospel of multifamily investing to members of our community. When we came across the asset class, we realized that a lot of us did not know that these opportunities existed. And I'm referring to colleagues in the healthcare industry and members of our community. So we created Excite Capital in 2019 to go out there and uh, educate more people about the amazing wealth creation opportunities that exist with multifamily investing. It has been an amazing journey of growth so far. I'm grateful to say that as of today, we have $125 million of asset under management, and we have a community that is growing tremendously. We've grown over 1,500 mines along the way, and we keep going. So it's been an amazing journey, and I'm grateful to be back here. Welcome. Thank you, Leslie. I'm making some assumptions based on what you just said, but also based on your title as director of operations. A lot of people get into apartment syndication as general partners to share investing opportunities with communities that they come from that don't have any other access or even recognize that this investment vehicle exists. Your title is director of operations, which leads me to believe that a lot more of your work is done after the deal has closed, executing on your business plan, leading it to fruition and putting yourself in a position to sell and get the returns for your investors that you want. Is that the case or are you more focused on investor relations? That is absolutely correct. And that is the best part that I like about this business is the operation side not just focusing on the asset, but our company as a whole, keeping track of all the numbers. I love the numbers part of the business, making sure that we're meeting our projections and making changes along the way as we see the numbers coming in. So I'm focusing on the operation side, part of the asset management team, making sure that our property managers are meeting all their KPIs and executing our business plans as we are created. So that's where my primary focus is in our company. Gotcha. I want to ask about that from your intro, though, a point I feel like I need to ask on 125 million on almost 700 units averages about to 180,000 a door. That's a much higher average than the majority of our apartment syndicator guests have. Where is it and what is it that you guys are investing in? So we have one asset in DC that kind of skews everything out. And it's, that's uh, what almost everyone says. Everybody, everybody says, well, we've got this one that's just mass. Anyways, go ahead. Please explain. So have, it's actually a 49 unit building in DC, but we purchased that for $19.1 million. So it's on a per door basis. It's an expensive asset, but it's a great asset. DC is a great market. Lots of appreciation and the asset is doing well as well. For most of our other properties, we have two properties in Columbia, South Carolina. The average cost per unit above 100000 per door. And we also have another deal in South Bend, Indiana as well. Gotcha. That makes a lot more sense then. Yeah. A little over 100 per door. That's where most people's numbers tend to come in. My numbers personally are well below that. I'm an apartment owner operator in Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay. And with as much of my portfolio... Sorry, what did you say? No, no, I said, I said, okay, that kind of makes sense. Why oh, you that, that, I, I thought you that, said that. poor guy. No, <laughs> I, to, I, say well, that. I will say a lot of the C-class apartment assets, the stuff built in the sixties and seventies here is trading in the sixties into the low seventies per door. Our rents are below what you'll see in DC, but yeah, there's still good cash flow here, even at the market prices. If you have a value add opportunity within the execution of your business plans, Leslie, is there anything in particular that you specialize on or that you feel you thrive in specifically well? Yeah. The part where I thrive in the most is looking at the data and making adjustments in our business plan or uh, 
as we go along. One of the things that attracted me to multifamily investing was the underwriting piece, being able to look at numbers and tell the story of a building or tell the stories of a business based on the numbers or gathering different data sources and making decisions based up on that. So I love that piece of it. So meeting with our property managers every week, getting numbers on how the property is functioning, getting our monthly financials and putting it all down and creating different graphs and coming up with different summaries to figure out where we're performing on every aspect of the business and finding little areas where we could make some changes, like little changes, maybe in like just the trash, for example, on the monthly basis, that could greatly have a substantial effect on the NOI over three to five years. So making those adjustments and making those changes is something that I really enjoy doing and that I'm thriving and that I'm getting better at. Awesome. Looking at data to tell you a story about what's going on, that seems like there are some direct corollaries between anesthesiology and the way that you are <laughs> doing the operating of your business plans. Has that been your experience? Absolutely. I think with anesthesia, you have to be a critical thinker because you have the life of somebody in your hands. And in anesthesia, I like to say that we imagine every scenario that could go wrong so that something doesn't go wrong when you have a patient under your care. And that was initially the kind of approach I took in business when I started multifamily investing. But there's a downside to that because that can get you stuck in analysis paralysis. You're looking for the negative things that could happen, whereas there's so many positives. So over the years, I've learned to be able to balance that a little bit, but to keep serious attention to details, look at the smaller picture as well as the bigger picture to figure out what works best for every single situation. And I'm trying to treat every property as a unique property and looking at it from that perspective instead of just looking at everything as a whole. Leslie, give us a story where this mode of analysis, reading the numbers, figuring out how you need to adapt your business plan. You were on the show around three years ago. Give us a story from the last three years where that's played out in your favor. Recently had a deal in the new market that was presented to us. And we initially did the initial underwriting on the deal. Based on the initial feedback, the third-party feedback that we were getting, it seemed like it was a great deal in the great market. This was a market that was a little bit outside our big primary market. So looking at the underwriting, numbers made sense. The feedback we were getting from somebody that we trust as far as like a professional seemed like it was a good market. So we went all in and did our underwriting and went to the initial phases of submitting an LOI. But after the LOI, decided to go back in because this is a much newer market and do a little bit more deep diving and look at the data pieces. And if you look at the market, you can see, for example, all the property, you can see the median household income in that area is growing. The median household income is solid. But then when you dive in a little bit deeper to that particular little MSA, you saw that the population was declining. Then some other red flags started showing up. We saw that this particular area, although it's close to a major uh, market, is not really part of that major market because it's a little bit of a distance. And this area is dependent on one industry only. And that's one of a red flag that we never want to go into in a market that is single industry dependent. So we had to pull back from that deal. And this was one example where data and looking at the different aspects of demographic data, like Joe teaches in his book, can make a difference in an investment decision. That's a decision you guys decided not to invest. Exactly. Uh, we not to move forward. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. When it comes to scaling your real estate business, is lack of capital holding you back? Raising private capital on demand can be a major challenge, but 
you can get the knowledge and tools you need to succeed when you attend Dana Cornell's four-week Raise Capital Masterclass Live. After starting out with no capital or relationships, Dana has raised over $1 billion twice in the past 20 years, and he has made it his mission to share the best of what he's learned with business owners and investors like you. You can learn more at danacornell.com forward slash best ever. Dana's Raise Capital Masterclass Live allows you to immediately unlock and raise capital on demand, drastically increasing your business's growth. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, go to danacornell.com forward slash best ever to enroll today. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at passiveinvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. Passiveinvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive Investing investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Leslie, you spoke earlier about how this style of analysis helped you adapt your business plans after you had closed and were executing on your value add. Can you give us some examples there of some things that you have found in your business plans and in your performance after closing that you were able to adapt to? Yeah. For example, one of our deals we closed, our assumptions were based on pre-inflation numbers. We made assumptions on the renovations and some of the expenses based off of our pre-inflation numbers. But as things started changing in the economy and we start seeing some of these expenses going up, so now you have to go down deep into the numbers and see where you have cushion on expenses or where you have cushion on some of our assumptions to make adjustments accordingly. We're going to go ahead and renovate the 80 units that we were projecting or we have to renovate less than that. And thankfully, as the expenses are going up, the rents are also going up. So we look at all those numbers and then we made adjustments accordingly to see that we can still meet our income projections on our business plan will actually surpass it by not renovating the full amount of the units. And even with the increase in expenses that the expense cost for renovation, we're still able to outperform our projections. So that's an example of one of those instances. And this is something that we apply pretty much on a weekly basis, looking at all the numbers that come in from our property, even from occupancy or leads, the number of leads that we get every week and how we could make adjustments on our marketing plan, depending on the number of leads that we're getting. If we start seeing trends, Going in a single direction, we want to start asking questions and pointing our team, especially negative trends, so they pay attention to it and make adjustments accordingly. And we've seen that when we do that, our team is able to adjust and get us back on track. Leslie, one of the things that you just mentioned is an experience that a lot of apartment investors that I know and that I've interviewed and that I've heard on the podcast and other podcasts are having is that we're not professionally experiencing too much negativity from inflation because with our increased costs is coming increased revenue in the form of the rent increases that we're able to charge because wages are up too. at least, you know, again, I said, I focus on C-class in Cincinnati. Wages are definitely growing in that segment, but also with my A-class stuff here too. When it comes to the execution of a syndicated 
value add business plan in apartments, Leslie, where one of your chief aims is to deliver a return to your investors. The past couple of years during COVID, and especially in early 2022, where inflation has skyrocketed, have you noticed within your portfolio a tendency when it comes to, we were talking about the balance of how much do you renovate to get how much reward and revenue, and do you have to do all the renovating? How is inflation, both in expenses, but also in rents, affecting the ROI on renovation? Have you seen within your portfolio, Leslie, a particular shift that seems to be leading to higher returns for your investors? Are you finding that choosing not to renovate and increasing rents less, but still increasing them, is that working better or worse than going ahead and renovating and getting those premium post-inflation rents? In our portfolio, one property that has a heavy value add on the initial business plan on it, we were able to get significant organic increases in rents that made us almost meeting our year three numbers around year one, just from organic rent increases. But we also found that there was still a significant hunger for value add for renovated units in that particular market. So we are renovating and we're still able to get a premium on top of that. Now, that premium is helping our returns increase higher than where we are right now. Although we're not going to renovate the total number that we initially planned on renovating, we're still renovating a certain number of units every month. And that gives us the opportunity too to live a lot more back on the asset for the next owner when we do decide to exit. So it gives us the opportunity to have a better story to sell when we're getting ready to exit out of the property as well. Gotcha. So you're deciding to renovate a smaller percentage of the units, but you're still doing as much of the renovation as you had originally planned. Yes, we're still doing the same renovation package, a little bit more expensive, but we're doing lesser units. Gotcha. I know this is getting into the weeds here, but do you know what kind of impact that decision has had on your returns for your investors? It hasn't, like I mentioned earlier, Sokom, our organic rent growth has covered a lot of the changes that has happened. So uh, we're actually exceeding our projected returns for our investors, although with the slowdown in renovations that we've done. So again, we are really grateful to be in this business, especially in this time of the economy, and being able to be able to distribute and still give our investors more than the returns that we promised, even when everybody is struggling in other asset classes. So that's one of the great things about being in this asset class. Absolutely. Well, Leslie, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. Awesome. What is the best ever book you've recently read? The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. I'm a big fan. I will tell you, though, we got to talk about this. You started it for the record. (laughs) I think that the Infinite Game, the argument made about the difference between finite and infinite games by Simon Sinek in that book is a reason to be a long-term buy and hold investor and not syndicate. When I'm thinking about whether or not I want to get into syndication and my style and what I think about, what is it I'm willing to wake up early for? What is it I'm willing to leave the house before 6 a.m. for? It's because I have the infinite mindset and I have yet to figure out how to pair that infinite game mindset with anything other than long-term buy and hold, which is one of the reasons I'm not syndicating yet. So interesting (laughs) to hear an apartment syndicator come on and say, they're talking about the infinite game with Simon Sinek. Do you want to give us a little bit about what you got out of that book? 
Kind of the same thing, right? And that's one of the reasons why I, the whole aspect of multifamily investing kind of attracted me because I'm a growth-minded person and I wanted to be in a business that keeps me continuously growing. It's not a business that I want to perform for two years, then stop doing it. It's something that I want to be doing for a very long period of time. So that same concept of playing the infinite game, the long term, is something that makes sense to us. And this is a conversation like you mentioned about the long-term buy and hold investing that we've been having as partners within our company. And then with the thought of along the way, having some assets where we have our investors in there for much more long-term because we're in the business of growing wealth, uh, not just necessarily of, of getting rich. So having the assets that continues to cash flow that you could hold on long-term and pass along from one generation to another generation is something that we're definitely exploring and definitely that we're up to. But the whole idea is building a business for a purpose that outlasts you. And that messaging in there really connects with me and connects with what I truly feel should be my purpose. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, this hasn't been a very lightning, best ever lightning round. We're still on the first question, but <laughs> Leslie, what's your best ever way to give back? We go out to disadvantaged areas and perform joint replacement surgeries as part of our giving back. Our CEO, Dr. Julius Oni, is an orthopedic surgeon. So we did one trip to Nigeria in March of this year, and that was probably the one of the best weeks of my life. So I love doing that. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Since the last time you were on the podcast, Leslie, in your commercial real estate investing career, what is the biggest mistake that you've made and the best ever lesson that resulted from it? Probably say the biggest mistake is not buying some assets <laughs> because gotcha. right yeah there are some assets that we are initially on the road and got scared and uh, backed out of it and now it's looking like a bad decision back then. I gotta tell you, Leslie, I'm gonna disqualify that answer. It doesn't put us in a position to add value to our listeners. Tell us about okay. something that went poorly and how you adapted and improved from that, so that we can learn from what you did to improve a bad situation. That makes sense. I'll give you the example of the deal that we talked about. We moved ahead, moved forward with the deal without doing a deeper dive in the market, without going to the market and actually doing a full walk on the market and seeing if that's a market that I want to invest in. And that was a big learning experience for us. We improved our process in such that every time we're going into a new market, we have to go over there and tour the area, really talk to people. And one of the things that made us back out of that market was we actually called the economic development of that market. And that's something that we typically do, but we didn't do in this particular case. So that was a big mistake on our part. And it could have been worse than it did, but we learned from it. Gotcha. Leslie, what is your best ever advice? Just take action. Whatever decision or whatever goals you have, just get up every day and take action and it's all going to come together. And where can people get in touch with you? The best place to get in touch with me is our website, www.x as in xylophone, s as in Samuel, I-T-E, capital. That's xicapital.com. On there, you have all of our contact information and you can reach out to me there directly as well. That link is in the show notes as well. Leslie, thank you. Best ever listeners, thank you as well for tuning in. If you've gained value from this episode, please do subscribe to our show. Leave us a five-star review and share this with one of your real estate investor friends you know we can add value to through this conversation. Thank you and have a best ever day.